Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's weekly Rashi study class. Hello to anyone who's listening on the Temple Beth Am podcast. Here we are with Rashi class. Uh, first, um, oops, more people coming in, so I'll wait for the announcement. Okay, uh, a few announcements that I'll repeat at the end in case people come in late. Um, I'll send an email out later today with a summer schedule because there will be some weeks that I will be away, including next week. There'll be no class next week. I don't see Leonard here yet to see if he's willing to teach in my absence. Um, Leonard can't teach next week. Leonard's camping. Okay, so then there'll be no class next week. I'll send this out by email. And then starting the first week in July, dun, 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 we're going to meet in person. Uh, it doesn't mean that we will not also Zoom it, but we're going to try this in person. Um, I will let people know if it's going to be indoors in Pilch or if there's a space outdoors, given what camp uh, the Camp Keshet needs. Um, and those who want to come in person and uh, wear masks, you may, you're not obligated to. Um, here's the interesting thing. I'm going to encourage even the people who are coming in person to bring a device, which I know sounds counterintuitive, a computer or an iPad. And the reason is that I do a lot of sh- uh, screen sharing now, like, you know, uh, uh, you know, a verse from elsewhere else in Tanakh um, or a Jastro. And that's just better and cleaner than me making photocopies, you know, uh, and, and, and ruining and ruining the ruining the forests for that reason. So um, there might be some classes where you, won't, where you won't need it. But since you already have a device by definition, there's the chat also. So correct. Um, it would be nice if everybody theoretically had a device in front of them, even if we're meeting in person. And I would only have you open it if I needed just to, you just uh, screen share something. I just think that's easier than making. Uh, so we'll try that starting two weeks from today. And I will send an email out to remind you. All right. With that in mind, um, chapter five of the book of Shemot. We are, we did one of the Rashi's on verse 16. We have to do the second Rashi. So let's get moving on what the verse means. Some of this is repetitive because we've, we saw, Pharaoh's original command to the Noxim, to the taskmasters, to force the Israelite slaves to um, go searching for their own straw and produce the bricks. And then they complain. And now he's saying the same words again. So if you feel like you're in a bit of a deja vu, it's because after they complained, after the Shotrim complained, um, after they were beaten, there's a, you know, Pharaoh is reinforcing. Yes, that is indeed the new law. There's a new sheriff in town. Same sheriff, new law. So um, verse 16, which we read, uh, but we'll read it again. Tevin, Aini, Tan, Lavadecha. The Shotrim are saying to Pharaoh, the straw is no longer given. Nitan is passive, given to your servants, uh, which here means the servants, the, the actual slaves that the supervisors are overseeing. Rashi said this is kind of like truncated language. And regarding bricks, they say to us, Make them, meaning even though we haven't been given straw, you still got to produce. And behold, Avadecha here, I'm grateful to Stevie who made this um, realization last week. Here, the word Avadecha might mean not the slaves, but we, the, the supervisors, because it says Mukim, we are smitten, we are beaten, because that's what the previous verse said, right? So Eved is used in so many different ways in this section, and we're going to talk about that if we get far enough today, because Eved is, an, is, is, a, is a classically important word in the post-Exodus Jewish experience, right? We say it, you know, ana, ana, uh, in the Brich Shemei that ends, be, be, ana, ra, in the middle of it, which we don't sing it out loud, sometimes we do, 
Ana avda de kudisha berichu. I am at the core a servant of the Holy Blessed One. So what Eved means and the different ways one can be an Eved to a, uh, a nefarious master or to a benevolent God is one of the central themes of the book of Exodus. Here, Avadecha might mean the task, um, the supervisors, because he's saying your servants, referring to us, that happens in biblical Hebrew, that you can be formal and refer to yourself almost in the third person. Your servants are beaten. That's where he left off. And this, this interesting two-word phrase, we know the word chatat means sin, and amecha means your people, but what, what, how to put them together to make sense of it in this context uh, is hard. The sin of your people, your people are sinning. It's a sin for your people. What message might the task, might the supervisor have been trying to convey to Pharaoh with those two words? So let's let's bring out again some of your instinctive thoughts. Not not reading translations yet. Just what you think these words mean. Again, as the supervisors are complaining to Pharaoh, and then we'll look at Rashi, and then we'll compare with some other translations. What could it mean? What could they be adding on to the sentence when the when the uh, Shodrim say, hey, Pharaoh, you're still making the people that we're supervising do the work. We're being smitten and beaten. It's a chatat. It's a sin for, to, on your people. What do you think it means? No wrong answer. But some answer would be interesting. Even if there's no wrong answer. Give it a shot. Well, like, like imagine you're the, you're the editor of this text and you're giving a suggestion or you're, you're the translator, how would you translate these words? Barbara and then Joanna? I, I think it's like trying to soften the blow and to try to get the Pharaoh to change his mind by saying, it's not your fault, it's our fault, but we'll try to do better, but can't. maybe you could make it a little easier for us. So the Amecha, your people, um, Barbara, you're reading as your people meaning the Israelites, like the people yeah. who are subjugating, we're, we're partially responsible, so it might be softening the message. Fascinating. I've never yes. read it that way before, uh, so that's that's creative. Joanna? Um, I also have never read it Barbara's way before, um, but it's really interesting because if avadecha can be a self-referral in that verse, then why can't amecha also? Um, but my instinct, and I think I shared a little bit of this thought um, last week as we were ending, is to go the opposite way, that this is to make it harsher, that this isn't going to be just on you, Paro, but it's going to be on your whole nation. Your whole nation used to provide a straw from the warehouses. So now if you're preventing that from happening, know that at the end of the day, not just you are going to be held accountable, but all of your people. Do you think it's accountability or the price will be paid by you? Which way? Which one I, are you I think accountability maybe is a wrong word, but like a warning. Exactly. Oh, wow. That the that the price will be paid by you. You know, it's kind of a foreshadowing of the makot, if you will. Great. And, so, and the makot didn't just affect Paro. They affected the whole people. Great. So we have in these first two comments, Joanna and Barbara, and none of us know who is right, almost diametrically opposed readings of this. Either Amecha is self-referential, as you're saying, hey, uh, Pharaoh, we're complaining, but yeah, we, we know we, we, we brought this on by requesting to leave. Or Pharaoh, not only are you making it hard for your servants and are we beaten, but it's a chatat for you on some level. Either you're, you're going to pay the price or you're responsible. 
um, which is a pretty chutzpahic thing to say to an autocrat. Sometimes people say chutzpahic things to autocrats. Good, let's hear some others. I see Larry, then Renee, then Vera, then Tova. I'm going to stick with my interpretation from last week. The, the Amecha are his advisors. Mm. And the Avadecha are the, are the overseers. And so what my translation would be, you're beating us, you're getting bad advice. It's your fault. It's your, it, it's the, if, if anyone bears the sin, it's, it's you, your people, not us. We're, we might be bearing the, the lashes, you're bearing the sin. Something exactly. like that. Fascinating, okay? And that looks like really yummy daisa. So I hope that's very tasty. Hope you said a bracha. Renee. I was going to say something similar to Joanne. I think that it's the he's for it's a forewarning of the uh, sin of the makot that are going to be coming up to his people for all that that he's doing against the Jews. Got it. We're we're in pain now, but you're going to pay big time. Okay, good. Vered, nice to have you back, Vered. I hope to be here now when my school is over. Um, <clears throat> So there's much what to say about those two words, and we will, I assume, we'll talk about it soon. But looking at it from the first glance, um, the sin, you will pay for the sins that you don't give us enough straw or whatever. And the sin will be not only on you individually, the king, but all over your country. But that's overlooking, you know, all those words with the vowels and it's not, you know, chatat is in a feminine form if it is, and amecha is masculine. So there's, um, you said you don't want to talk about it now, just from the first glance. Yeah, good. So Rashi's going to get into the vowels. He's going to get very, yeah. very, but but uh, Vera, just before we um, leave uh, leave that comment, I'm seeing that behind you is a wedding picture. Is yes. that your is that your wedding picture? Yes. Can you do us the great joy of just putting it up on the screen? I want I want to see your wedding. I, I saw it now. I can't not see it. I want to see it up close. I want to see what you two lovebirds look like. Oh, those many years ago. Oh, hello there. Thank you. That made my morning. Can I tell you about this uh, wedding cake? That yes. it was. Uh, we were poor students and. All those layers were made out of cardboard, except <laughs> the top layer that we saved for the first year anniversary. Wow. So if you look at, at this cake, it is looks yummy, but it was all cardboard. Wow. Wow. Tada, Verid. Uh, Tova. Um. I, I, I'm making my, conference, uh, my comment with due deference to Joanna, who made the suggestion last week, but I'm concurring with the idea that it's, it's essentially referring to Pharaoh, but also to his people, because Joanne made that wonderful comment that one could also read it as imcha, that it's your fault, bluntly, but also amecha, and that when you take those together, it's really powerful, because it's like both things are there. Ultimately, it's your fault, but as Pharaoh, as the representative and protector of your people, you're going to bring not just consequences on yourself, but consequences on your people. Yeah. So just, uh, it was great last week, still great this week, <laughs> Joanna. <laughs> that could be a good tagline for Rashi. For, for, <laughs> great last week, still great this week. 
Um, I totally forgot about that comment. Thank you for reminding us to. Are you ever, sometimes you're in the presence of someone who is so nimble and wise with words and with human interaction, where they say something that on the surface does point the fingers at themselves, but in such a clever way to make the listener also consider, am I, am I being called to task at the same time? Right. So not being called out publicly, like it's subtle, it's it's um it's nuanced, but it makes the person consider whether or not they have a role to play in what's going on here. Right. Um, it's very hard to do, right? It's very hard to do when you're you know, whether you're giving feedback to a supervisee or you're uh, you're talking to, you know, uh, you know, a child or a student or someone with whom you're in a relationship to both take some responsibility, but do it in a way that the person feels that they also should look at their own chata'im. So maybe that's what uh, uh, that's what's going on in this situation, uh, or at least inviting us to consider it. Um, Alan's iPhone. Yes, um, just following up, what, more, more praise and support of uh, Joanna's context about that it was going to be that you'll pay in the future. Even the word that's being used, mukim v'chatat amecha, Mukim related to Makot, the plagues that the Egyptians themselves, the entire nation will experience because of the actions Pharaoh is taking now. Yeah. Yeah, great. Oh, I support Sue's comment, Joanna. There's a late night flight on Tuesday nights, get you in at like midnight, come to class, and we can get back, get you back to the airport by 11 in the morning. So, uh, so start, start working on that. Um, Rick. Yes. Hi. Um, so if I could take us back to the Merchak uh, of the sentence before, where the way I do it, it's two of the same thing. Da, 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 da. What, what Pharaoh is doing to his people. So la'avadecha there could be to the Hebrews or to the Egyptians or to both. So just focusing on what's underneath the word there, the trope, so here on Amecha, focusing on what's underneath the letters, whether it's Imcha or Amecha, and then it's going to lead to Rashi talking about the Patach and the Kamats. So it's all about the details of things. Great. Great. Um, Barry, and then we'll look at Rashi. Okay. Uh, so I, I wanted to go back to uh, the first chapter of uh, Rashi. Uh, the, uh, the 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 new pharaoh comes in, and I'll, I'll read the here first. Um, um, so, El, that's Parovemar El Amo. So this is the first time we're talking about where uh, the Imcha Amcha Imo. Behold, the the the, the people of Bnei Israel are becoming too numerous for us. How about Nikma Lo? Let us deal wisely with him. So all, all B'nai Israel in the next few sentences they refer to in the singular as as, as him. And so Paro uh, uh, is is uh, bringing in his people to bear on it, the him, the B'nai Israel. That's been the theme all the way through. So what is being referred to here, that, that the hata has all, already been there since the beginning of Breshit. If I understand you correctly, you're saying that because Pharaoh 
kind of consults or announces to his people from the very beginning what his plan is that, that the people is, are implicated in, in this disaster. Not only implicated, that they've, they've been involved in bearing burdens on us who we are referred to in the singular. Right. So I, you mean involved in putting burdens on us? Yes. Uh, yeah, so the listen, the simplest way of reading Amecha is not the more interesting approach, which is Amecha refers self-referentially to the people talking, but to your people. The question is, you know, what, what, what's the tone of this statement? So let's look at Rashi, who kind of sort of hints at tone by going through uh, grammar and vowels. Uh, who have we not heard from today? Uh, Sue, do you want to read Chatat Amecha? I do. Um no. Right after what? Oh, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Rashi. The Ra- the second Rashi. We, we read one now. Rashi last week. I see it now. Ilu hayanikut nakud patach haitiomer shehu shehu davuk v'davarze chatat amecha hu. Okay, pause there. Okay. Um, more fun than than parsing Rashi's language when discussing Hebrew grammar. Go ahead. Okay. Even if it was, even if it had a patach. Not even, just just if. The ilu here is, is, a, is a raw if, not an even. So okay. if it had been. If it had been uh, uh, vowels, you know, with a patach. Right. And particularly, which one do you think he's referring to? Which of the two vowels do you think he's referring to? The... Um, the chatat, no, that. Right, but which which vowel in chatat? The, the, sec, the, the second, the second one. Right. So the, under the, the vowel, tet. Correct. If the vowel under the tet had been written chatach, okay. which it could have been, then haiti omer. Then I would have said that it was sticky. Right. What, is, <laughs> what does sticky mean grammatically? We have a different <laughs> word for it in, in modern Hebrew. Um, that it was... I don't know. I don't know what Aaron, it means. Grammar. Aaron, what do you think it means here? Because it's not about glue. That it was like a contraction that it went together like can't. Uh, not a contraction. Vered lo shemimotach. Smichut. I I I think it means that that would change that verb chatat from a verb into a noun. And then it would have been like in a smichut form, like when you have two nouns linked to each other. It's also called in English word pair. Good. So in modern Hebrew grammar, the word is smichu, we've discussed it. I suppose in early, you know, 1100s French Hebrew grammar, the word was davuk, dvekut, right? Like that these two nouns. That they were like two together, put right. two together. Right, uh, two, two, two words glued together. So had it been patach, I would have said, ah, the word chatat and the word amecha are in smichut, and therefore you have to kind of put in the phrase, and therefore its meaning would have been bedavar ze chatat amcha hu. What does that mean? That it would have been your your people's the sin of your people. Right. So had it been patach, I would have read it the way one of you had read it before. I forgot who said what. That this is your fault, right? Who's who's chatat is chatat amecha. Right, the more chutzpahic approach. However, it's not written patach; it's written kamatz, and therefore, I'm just in 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 
adding in words here before we read the next line. Whatever this is, it's not smichut. It's not the sin of. However, achshav. Achshav shukamatz. Achshav shukamatz. No, 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 no. Shame. Okay. Shame davarhu. And sometimes I don't know which columns it goes to. Yeah. Um, shame davarhu. It's a, it's a noun. It's a noun. Right. Now, what's not confusing about the way Rashi writes it here, we would say, in our understanding of grammar, that if it's in smichut, it's also a shame devar. In fact, the definition of smichut are two nouns modifying each other. Rashi uses slightly different nomenclature to, to determine grammar. He's basically saying here, since it's not a, a, a patach, but a kamat, not only is it a noun, which it would still be if it were vekut, it's a noun on its own. It's not a noun in smichut. It's just a, it's just a standalone yeah. noun. And therefore, v'chach perusho. V'chach perusho. V'davar zeh mevi chatat alamecha. Alamecha. Right? It's not, bringing the sin on your people. Right. So instead of reading it, they say to Pharaoh, it's the sin of your people, it's your fault. It's actually yeah. saying all this bad stuff that's happening to us, Pharaoh. It is, it, it's, it's a heavy burden. For whom? Amecha, on you, right? So it's slightly different than fault. It goes back to, that's why I asked you before, um, Joanne, are we talking about um, accountability um, or, or impact, right? The, the, this is going to redound negatively on to you if you keep going down this route. Keep keep reading, then we'll and then we'll go backwards. Ki'ilu. Ki'ilu katuv v'chatata le'amecha. That that it, as if it was written that you have sinned against against uh, against your people. Close, because the v'chatat here is not verb. You have that sinned. you have committed a sin against the people, your people. That it's the noun. There's there is a heavy sin, sitting on your people's shoulders. And now, uh, for, for the grammarians amongst us, he might be, he, he wonders if we're wondering, hey, if it's not in smichut, you need a preposition. Right, the whole point of smichut is that it connects two nouns together without a l or a b or a m. So how can you just conjure a prepositional relationship between two nouns without smichut without the preposition? Right, you may not have been thinking that, but he's concerned we might be thinking about it because he thinks we're doing this very precisely in our minds. If you have two nouns impacting each other, it either has to be in smichut form, would have been a different vowel, or you need the connect the ligament connecting the two nouns. So he gives you a one. So it really it, it sort of random example. I'll bring it up, bring it up onto the screen in the book uh, of Ruth. for where you have um, uh, an obvious two word phrase that's not in smichut and there's no preposition. Book of Ruth. We read this just a few um, uh, weeks ago in um, in on Shavuot. So look at uh, verse eighteen. Naomi saw that um, Ruth was sort of metametzet, like like strengthening herself to not to, to to go with her. She was refusing to not go with her. So Naomi stopped negotiating with her. They both went ad boana until they came beit lachem to the um, to beit to beit lechem. So what's missing? In that le, 
Lebet lechem. And sometimes when you're when you have a um, uh, a place and they're going to it, you don't need the la if you add in a he at the end, like Mitzrayma or Artsa. And other places in Tanakh, you have beta lechem. But there's neither the implied preposition. There's no there's no actual actual preposition. It's not smichut, and there's no um, and there's no uh, hey at the end of the word to suggest that it, it means going to. So there's a silent lamed. Ad bo'ana lebeit lachem. So Rashi says, if if Ruth could have a silent lamed, so could the book, the book of Exodus. Therefore, it's basically being read as vechatat le amecha. Um, yeah. So keep reading now. The Rashi kamo bo'ana. Kamovo, Kamo, Kamo, I lost it. Hello, hello. Kivoana, Bait, Kamo, Brut, Aleph. Kivoana, Bait Lachem, Sheukmo, Le Bait Lachem, Vechain Arbe. Meaning, there, there are many other examples. I gave you the one from Ruth. There are many examples. If we strip it all down, and then we'll go to Joanna and Rick and then look some translations, Rashi is, I think, weighing in on tone of voice here, right? He's weighing in that it's not self-referential, right? The way Barbara was reading it, like, like obsequiously, it's really our fault. We're complaining that it's our fault. Nor is he saying, you did this. He's saying something in between, maybe a premonition like Renee and others were saying to the, to the plagues. This is going to eventually um, boomerang back on you. It's a chatat. It's a sin. And it's a sin. And I think biblical chatat does not mean the word sin the way we use it in English, right? It's it's a it's like a negative thing. It's 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 a missed opportunity. It's something that you're going to have to pay the price for. Who? You. Not only us. We are the ones who are injured in the scene. You are the ones who are going to eventually experience the full weight of this. That's how he. That's what he pulls out of uh, the difference between a chata, a, a patach or a kamatz. Uh, Joanna Rick and then Barrett. I'm not totally satisfied with Rashi's commentary because. Boana is a verb, right? So he's saying here, there's a lamid missing between a verb and a noun. If there's so many examples, why didn't Rashi bring us to an example where there's a, where the preposition is missing between two nouns? That to me would have seen a more direct parallel. The other thing I find very curious about Rashi is that the pasuk begins, ad boana beit lechem. Why didn't he? Why did he use the second reference? Especially, I you know that ke in front of boana complicates things. Why did he go to the second instance in the verse and not the first? Pulling it back up again so you can look at it. Say that again. So the verse begins ad boana beit lachem. Why not use that example? Why keep going further in the verse? beit lachem. Yeah. This is this is a good critique of Rashi, right? And it's actually an honor of Rashi to critique him that way because you expect such high things from him. And I, I didn't check all the super commentaries in Rashi, but it wouldn't make wouldn't surprise me if the Siftei Chachamim asked a very similar question, right? And just to break down what Joanna is saying even further, what's 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 ironic about his using this proof text is that he's bringing us. He, he's saying the Chatat Amecha is not. Smichut, but he's bringing us to a verse where there is smichut. Beit lachem is uh, is smichut. It means the house of bread. 
So the missing lamed is not between the beit and the lachem. The missing lamed is between the verb, the kavoana, or the adboana, libet lachem, which means it's not exactly parallel. And it not only is not exactly parallel, there is, there is an example of smichut in this phrase, even though he's trying to use it as a proof text for a place where smichut is not present. Why he didn't bring, why didn't he go to the, 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 the yesh harbez? Right? Why didn't he bring us some other examples? I don't know. Um, I can't think of, uh, of, of an obvious one that he could have brought us to because I don't have the same encyclopedic knowledge of Tanakh as he does, but I think it's a very astute um, critique of Rashi here. Um, Rick, you're still uh, muted, my friend. Hi. Hi. I have the Silverman Kumash. Yep. So there's a footnote. Um, it's, a, it's a whole big paragraph, but I thought it was interesting. And it brings up Rosh Baum. And a Hosea quote. So I thought maybe you'd like to hear it. Sure. Okay. So um, so the footnote is to the Chatat Lamech. Of course, this explanation is intelligible only, I guess Rashi's explanation. This explanation is intelligible only if we assume that Rashi's copy of the Pentateuch had the reading Chatat with a uh, Patach under the Chet. That's the first sentence. That there was such a reading is evident from the comments on this word offered by his grandson, the Rashbam, and by Ibn Ezra. If his reading had been chatat with two kamatzes, uh, kamatzim, Rashi would be speaking of a noun chatat with a construct chatat with, with the patach um, under the tet. Right. And such a noun does not exist. You want me to keep going? Uh, sure. In Hosea 10.9, Hosea 10.9, where our reading is Chatata Yisrael, Rashi has the reading Chatat with two kamatzes, where he, which he explains as a third feminine singular performative, similar to Asat with two kamatzes. Here's that verse from Hosea. It should be observed that Rashi uses the term shame davar of a noun only when it is in the absolute state of a noun in the construct. He states that it is davuk or some similar term. If in our passage he had the reading vechatat with two kamatzes, he would not have been driven to add words in order to get the sense quote, this matter brings sin upon thy people, end quote, because he could have explained it as he does in the passage in Hosea, and thy people thereby have sinned. Okay, one more, one more piece. The word amecha would be the subject to chatat, being taken as feminine, as in Jeremiah, uh, that's 8, 5, chapter 8, verse 5, just as Israel, the people Israel is taken as feminine in the verse in Hosea. Okay, so that's very dense to listen to. Yeah, I think what he's saying there is that we can we can divine from his comment not only the whether whether there was a kamatz or a patach under the tet, but whether there was a kamatz or a patach under the chet as well. Um, I, I'm not sure it changes so much the meaning of it, but it's an interesting you know, surgery on the possibilities for what 
what what Rashi had in front of him. And of course, it's it's a little bit of guesswork, but it's but it's fun guesswork. It's like uh, it's 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 Parshanut archaeology. Um, Vered, um, I want to go back to what the text says. Vechatat amecha. So the problem there, which we're trying to solve, is that the verb chatat uh, is in a feminine past tense form. Mm. Okay? It is a past tense form of feminine. At chatat. Amecha is a masculine noun. So there is a problem as it is looking at it that the verb is in feminine and modifies and masculine noun. So it has to be somehow resolved. And the answer, this very simple answer is that, oh, it's not a verb, it's a noun. If we switch the kamats under the tet to a patach, then it becomes a noun. But if you check exactly how the nouns are of this specific noun, we know this word. We know from korban uh, chatat, that's, that's the noun. But it's not exactly the way Rashi wants it to say. If we switch the patah, and then what Rick was reading is that Bemet, the, um, the real noun is chat. Chet with the patach and tet with the kamats. And it doesn't really match this answer, but it is a remedy to what we are reading here. I don't know if you follow what I said. It's not bemet exactly that if I will change this tet letter and instead of having the kamats there, I will put a patach, uh, it's not bemet according to the how the noun itself is being written. Yeah, um, we'll we'll move off of this soon because there there we there's a it's it exactly says somewhere this. in the says somewhere in the Torah you know the percentage of any individual Rashi class in a congregation that can be spent focusing only on kamats and patach. I'm willing to spend some time there, but there's a limit. But what um, what um, Verit is saying is that it's not just whether or not. This the letter under the tet here uh, is a kamatz, but also whether or not the le- letter under the chet. The chet. So we, we, there are more rabbit holes we can go down. I think the thing that's most interesting to pull out is Rashi's is, is the way Rashi wants us to read the scene, right? And he's he's linking it to vowels, but the way Rashi wants us to read the scene is this is is the message that the um, Shotrim are giving to Pharaoh, and it's it's chutzpahdik, it's brazen, but it's not as chutzpahdik as finger wagging. Now, with that in mind, let's look at some of the translations because the translations don't all agree with Rashi because why they don't have to. Everett Fox goes a more finger wagging route, so he translates the whole verse like this: um, "No straw is being given to your servants, right? And as for bricks, they say to us, make them." He puts the them in the in the parentheses because it just says make asu. He he puts in the them. Here, your servants are being beaten, and the fault is your people's exclamation point. Right. So he says it is your sin, your fault, which is the most direct way to accuse 
fair in this situation. Um, Larry, you want to read uh, either Alter or Kaplan or both? Yeah. Um, I think I read it last week. I'll read it again. Um, straw is not given to your servants, comma, and the bricks they tell us, comma, make, comma, and, comma, look, comma, your servants are beaten and the fault is your people's. Fault is your people's. That's, that's... I, think I think I read that, that Alter actually has a uh, comment on the whole thing. Um, straw is not given, bricks they tell us, make and look, and your servants are beaten. There is a colloquial immediacy to the language with which the overseers express their outrage to Pharaoh, positioning straw and bricks at the beginning of the first and second clauses. And then he says, the fault is your people's. Presumably the fault is for the failure to fulfill the quote of bricks is the Egyptians because they are not providing the straw. Hmm. Hmm. And Kaplan, if you want Kaplan, sure. it's <clears throat> no commentary. We are no longer given straw, but we are told to make bricks, period. We are the ones being flogged, but it is your people's fault. So all three translations and JPS as well use the word fault, not sin. And has it has it be a direct finger wagging? So they're all reading a counter to Rashi. Uh, that's a that's a choice. Every commentary, every translation is a commentary. Great. Uh, shall we move on from Pataks and Kamasas? Anything else anyone want to draw out? Okay. So let's go to the next verse. Uh, Rashi is uh, quiet on the next verse, but that doesn't mean that we have to be quiet. Um, but it's going to be. Uh, slightly redundant because it's going to be a reminder of what Pharaoh had said to Moshe and Aaron in there when he had their audience. Now he's saying it to the Shotrim. Uh, Sue, you were up and you only got one Rashi. Do you want to read verse 17 by Yomer? Yeah. Verse 17 by Yomer. Wait, I got to go back to verse 17 by Yomer. 17 starts, starts, starts. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Oh, okay. By Yomer. Nirpim atem, nirpim atem, nirpim al ken atem umrim, umrim. There's no comma there. Umrim nelcha nizbecha lehu la donai. And okay, and he and he said, nirpim atem, you're 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 asleep on the job. Right, we yeah. have this back in uh, verse eight, and we spent some time understanding what right. it meant. We we got to the word rafa, yeah. which means weak, right? Lacking, lacking fiber, lacking substance. His basically way of calling them slackers, asleep on the job. Okay, your your weaklings. Except that he says it twice near pim atem near pim atem. Uh, weaklings, though. I mean, there's so many ways to say weaklings. Near pim is more like napping. I think I said that the last time we talked about it too. Yeah. Uh, Uncle is translated <laughs> as batlanim, right? Do, do, do nothingers. I think he translated that way both times. Yeah, batlanim, like like idle ones. Uh, sometimes it's translated as Sapristine says lax. Lax. Yeah. Oh, Ever Fox says lax. And so well, that's, that's all. I think that's all a little bit different than weak. Lax is a little bit more attitude y than weak. Yeah. Anyway, weak, weak, not in terms of your muscles, but weak in terms of your the way you're you're presenting in the situation, right? Barry, were you saying something, Barry? Lazy. Yeah, right. Uh, all, all in the same family of possibilities. 
Well, right? if they're being idle and they're asking to worship God, they would be idle worshipers. <laughs> <laughs> and if they were, and if Is they were doing so? it together, they would be they would be idle idol worshipers. <laughs> and we could, we could keep going. If they were doing it up in the mountains, they would be idle wild idol worshipers. <laughs> but I'm, uh, whoa, a bunch of hands. Larry, Diane. I'm just going to point out what I think is a um, a confusion here. Again, if we go back and read the whole thing. Wait, Larry, before you point that out, I just want to have Sue finish translating the verse because we're finished. Okay. Oh, sorry. Just, that's okay. Okay. So, so, oh. so you're, you're, you're slackers. You're slackers. Okay, so then, therefore, you say, let's go. Let's go, and and uh, worship God. Right. So this is basically a redux of what Pharaoh says back in verse eight. If you go back to verse eight, um, when he's initially given the instructions to Moshe and Aaron about, um, you know, you, you're asking for a, a release. I'm going to pile on at Makona Telebenima Shirhemosim and the very amount of bricks that they're supposed to do to Moshalshom before this. Tasimu alehem, make make it, it's still on them. Loti menu, do not reduce it. Kinir pimheim, for they are weaklings, uh, lazy ones. Alkane, therefore, and that's the reason heim tzuakim and are crying out. Lemur saying, let us go and and uh, worship our God. So Pharaoh said this before, and it's almost the exact same thing here, except that it's not a they, it's a you. Alkane, atemarim, therefore you are saying instead of. Interesting that here is Ladonai, not Eloheinu. Therefore, you are saying we need to go and and offer a sacrifice to God. Okay? Go, so it's the go, same idea. Go. Um, Larry, uh, Diane, now we, what are you going to say? I'll just be brief. This clearly can't follow from verse 16, because in verse 16, he's talking to his um, overseers. I forget the language that we've used. He's suddenly now talking to the Hebrew people, and he's suddenly talking to Moses and Aaron. So I'll simply say this suggests to me that this is a composite story that was put together, perhaps even also um, uh, supported by the change in the word for God from Elohim to Adonai. Mm. Um, we're, we understand what's going on here. And we're going to understand even better when we get to the next verses, but it really seems like it's been hashed, you know, chopped together in a way that it could have used a uh, an editor yeah. uh, for continuity. You can you can see the seams, right? Um, great, because because the nirpim and the nelchan is Ladonai was was Pharaoh speaking kind of about. Moshe and Aaron's representing the people's wants, and here it had been Pharaoh speaking to the the, the intermediary class, the the Shotrim. Good, oh. Rick, and then Elon. Yeah, along the same lines. Of uh, there in verse eight, no, verse yeah, verse eight. It was near Pim Haim. The near Pim was only once, by the way. The Haim is a couple of times, and the Neocha Nizbacha Lelohenu is the the trope there is the same as the trope here at the end well oh sorry there it's lalohenu and here it's ladonai that's interesting but i was going to say here in verse 17 it's atem it's not the haim 
and uh, Nirpim is doubled. So again, there's a doubling uh, and there's two Atems. Didn't need that. You didn't need the U there um, both times. So it's uh, the you doubling are, is interesting to me. Yeah, you're doubling and tripling and quadrupling your uh, interpretation of the Merchak Fula. You're going to call it the Merchak Revuah, Merchak Shlishiah. And that uh, just it's it just it just brings our attention to the doubling in other places, yeah. um, or else it wouldn't be there. <laughs> Elon, yeah, I was just com- going to comment as well on the doubling, and I actually find it interesting because this typically would have been the type of thing that Rashi would comment on, like they doubled it. What does that mean? And and um, a, I'm curious why the doubling, and it's also curious. We'll we'll never know why Rashi didn't comment on the doubling. Right, right. On the doubling of the near peam, you mean? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, sometimes Rashi lets colloquialism stand, and sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he says no. This is supposed to teach us something specific. We know that sometimes people speak in you know uh, we, we we double our words for intensification. Right, right. No, I, I, you know, you, you, you know, you lazy people, you are, you lazy ones, right? You can imagine someone saying that, and it's interesting that Rashi is quiet on it. I don't even see anyone on the page um, who doubles, who who comments specifically on the doubling of the word nirpim. Um, okay, let's. Rashi's quiet in that, so we can then move on to the next verse. Going once, going twice. Okay, the next verse is also going to be somewhat redundant because, again, this is a continuation of language that Pharaoh's already said. He's just saying it to different people. Let's have a different reader whom we've not heard from today. Uh, Norm and Rachel, do you want to read the next verse? Viata? I'll be glad to. Um, Rachel is, I believe, in her class at the Hartman Institute. Ah, great. Um, Somehow I got lost. Which verse is it? Chapter 5, verse 18. Uh, oh, yes. The Atolahu Ivru, Vesaben, Vesehen, Lo Yenasein, Lochem, Vesohem, Levenim, Tetenu. So go now and serve for. You won't be given any straw, and but you will give the same amount of bricks. Good. I like how you translate that. Go now and serve, because serve is a is a great English word that that brings in both sides of the Hebrew eved. Because we because slave we don't think of as you're not you're not you're a slave to Pharaoh, not a slave to God. But go serve. Go do what you are meant to do, which is which is the exact same th- uh, relationship that we are supposed to be having with the oppressor from whom we're going to be freed and the, and the, and the ruler to whom we are now bound, right? So there, there's, there's, there's playfulness in this language that what Pharaoh is asking the Israelites to do onerously is exactly what God's going to ask us to do. Go and Eve do. Eve do et Hashem besimcha, right? That's, that's, that's how we are supposed to be motivated in our religious life. Go serve God with joy. So, okay, folks, now that, I've reinforced this. Go serve. And a reminder, heaven lo lachem. Straw is still not going to be given to you. But still give, adding in the still, still, still give the, um, the amounts of the bricks. What's Larry writing here? I, um, 
Yeah, I saw that he, he, I'm not sure he's commenting on the doubling. He's just quoting the fact that it's it's doubling. I don't think, I read that Sforno too. Atem hanir pim vatsilim mitra pimatem b'malachatam. I'm not sure his comment is on the fact that the word near pim is doubled. He's just commenting on what near pim might mean. Um, but I saw that as well. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, any comments or questions on the translation? I see Norm, your hand is up. You don't have, you're, you're, you're on the block. You don't have to raise your hand. What's up? Okay. Um, I think it also reflects the nature of the enslavement in Egypt because they weren't chattel slaves. They were much more like serfs. They had their own, you know, farms or other business activities that they used to support their families, but they had to give, the community had to give a certain amount of um, voluntary um, work. Um, so <coughs> they would have teams that would come in for a week or two, um, and then other teams would come for the next week or two. And when Pharaoh says, we're not providing your, the straw, it creates a, a huge additional burden on the whole community because there's that much more work that's going to be needed. Yeah. Um, but um, and so service really is, I think, a good word for it. It's yeah. involuntary, but it's, you know, demanded of the community. Well, think of the English phrase, right? We refer to that, that economic harsh reality as indentured servitude, right? You're, it's, not in, it's not slavery. It's the, it's, but you'd say that the, you'd use the same Hebrew word to ref, reference it. It's a, it's a forced, it's a version of obligatory work that is right. in a different category than abject chattel slavery. Uh, Rick and then Barry? Yeah, I, I, going off of the, you said the playfulness of the words, um, it's, it's the lechu is again, it's a reflection, it's a doubling of the nail cha in the sentence before. You want to go and serve that God? No, you're going to go and serve me. Ivdu is you're serving me. And how do you do that? Well, you build uh, um, uh, uh, buildings and, and religious structures, and that's how you're serving me. I'm your master, I'm Pharaoh. So very um, good. I like that piece. Yeah, it would be even, that's very good. It would be even stronger if in the words that Pharaoh, that, that Moshe and Aaron had used to make this request, it was the language of avdut, but it wasn't. It was just the language of nelcha and nizbacha, right? But implied is that we want to go worship and serve God. But I think I think that that notion is there, even if it's not explicitly in the words yet. Good. Barry? Oh, uh... That was by accident. I mean, there's no problem with it, but sorry. Go ahead. Wait, I had to press. I got it. I got it. Okay. Um, so going back to that, uh, this this is the uh, the uh, Amo is the, the people as a singular. Um, so these are not uh, individual uh, Israelites. Each one needs to get their own straw and make their own bricks, but rather as a corporate entity this corporate entity, the Israelites, must find the straw and make the quota of bricks. So uh, again, there, there's this... Sorry, go ahead, yeah. There's this, this organizational dimension that uh, the, the people uh, as a whole it, will be going all over Egypt to, to uh, accumulate straw and bring it to the location where bricks are made. 
And so there's an enforcement of uh, spreading uh, the the arm uh, throughout Egypt uh, to perform this requirement. Yes, thank you, Barry. And Joanna, you're next. And then um, I appreciate what you wrote in the chat. Uh, my quick read of Sforno may have been uh, missing something that maybe he is indeed reading the near, first near peem as an adjective describing them, and then the second one as a verb. You, you, you slackers are slacking, something like that. I got to all read the Hamektavar afterwards. That's that's the commentary of the Nitziv. But uh, Ray, what were you going to say? Was that what you were going to say? No. Now what uh, I wanted to say is this Lachu Ivdu is interesting because jump ahead to um, Exodus 10.24 when Paro is going to say Lachu Ivdu et Hashem. So let's look at that. Let's pull up 10.24. Everyone should have that because you all have the book of Exodus. 10.24. We'll get there in a long while. By Pharaoh el Moshe, Pharaoh said to Moshe, by Yomer, and he said, Lechu ivdu et Hashem, go serve God, rak tzonchem ubekarchem yutzag, but you can't take your, your cattle with you. So it's it's a, what Joanna's suggesting is there's a progression that's traceable in the language. At this point, Pharaoh is not relenting at all. When he relents partially, he uses the exact same language, except the object of the servitude is not him, but rather God. Beautiful. Great. Great pickup. Okay, um, let's let's at least start the Rashi on this, uh, and then we'll um, come back to that in two weeks. Reminder: If you came to the class late, no class next week. Neither I nor Leonard. In two weeks, uh, in addition to Zoom in person at Temple Batham, I'll let you know where on campus it's going to be. Um, and if you can, please bring a device even to that, that in-person class. So if you want to, um, I want to share text with you on the screen, I don't have to uh, print them out in advance. Um, okay. Uh, Rashi on the Tochen Haledeinim. And, and if this is going to sound familiar to you, it is because he did a similar kind of understanding when we first hit the phrase Tochen Haledeinim, except that he's going to use different proof text this time and we'll end with that. So who, who was reading? I forgot already. Norman. Norman's reading. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, Uchana Zilu. Uh, that's Uncle Sorry. Yeah. Cheshbon. Yes. The Chazon Levanim. Cheshbon Helevanim. The Chain is Habasov Hamasukhan. And it's got this me. I don't, I don't understand what the next thing that's is written. And it goes on. Demystify it for you. So, so I'm going to demystify it for you. First of all, he turns tochen, this word that we said before may have to do with the word muhan to be ready or amount. He puts it directly into the phrase amount. Cheshbon. Cheshbon is an amount. What does tochen halavinim mean? Not the quality, but the amount of them. Vechein. And this is a similar use of that root as we have, was in parentheses, uh, Norman, Membet is Malachim Bet, second book of Kings, chapter okay. 12, verse 12. Okay, so let's look at this verse. Venatnu et ha-kesav ha-mituchan. They would give or deliver the money that was, um, <laughs> there's even a footnote here, that was weighed out, but has to do with the proper amount. Al yidei oseim lacha, um, uh, given to the one who are overseeing the work. It's also an interesting, um, probably subtle or maybe an unintentional connection that the proof text he's using is about a situation where there were people doing work and people overseeing work, 
which is exactly where we are in our story right now. Uh, Beit and I doing the work to build God's house. They use that to pay all the artisans. So the word in question is the mituchan. And mituchan, even though it's translated here as that was weighed out, it seems to be the, the, the allotted amount. They gave the proper allotted amount. For Rashi, that's a, that's a strong enough proof text to say that that's what it means here. The allotted amount. And then he translates, go back, uh, Norm, as, he, as he's commenting on the verse from Lachim Bet, Hamanui. Yeah, yeah, he's saying it, it was counted just okay. like it, it says in the verse in, from Lachim. Um, and they put it up in bags and counted the money. Right. So, so they counted the bricks. So Rashi had, quotes this verse, but says, how do we know that this mituchan has to do with counting from the previous verse? Vayatsuru, they bound up, vayimnu, and they counted at hakesef. So vayatsuru vayimnu at hakesef turns into hakesef and mituchan. Mituchan must mean the counted money, the allotted money. Therefore, in our verse, tochen halavinim has to do with the a proper amount of bricks that was expected of you before. It's going to be expected of you now as well. Again, if this sounds familiar, this is essentially what Rashi said the first time that phrase was used. <laughs> so let's uh, let's call it here. I wish you a good two weeks. You'll get an email about specifics for the class um, in two weeks. And uh, I hope to see some of you in person. And uh, that'll be a nice thing. That'll be a, ver- a, a worthy of a Shechiano. And the same Zoom link will work as well. Bye, everybody. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.